Yeah, dude, I've I can say I've fucked up a lot of songs just from like I'll get the main idea down that should be the only idea. And I'll be like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's too simple. Like, I should add, you know, some fucking crazy break right here. And then I start going into this, like, deep hole, and like, I just change the song completely, and I just, I just fuck the whole song up. Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Bill's manager, Anand Harsh. I'm also editor-in-chief of TheUns.com. If you're listening to this on the day it drops on Patreon, happy Labor Day. Hope your barbecue went off without a hitch and you didn't spill any mustard on your crisp new duds. If you're listening to this afterwards because you're not a Patreon supporter, I hope you got ants in your picnic basket. We've had a run of guests on the show recently of people I'm lucky enough to consider personal friends, or at least they're polite enough to let me yell about Queens of the Stone Age's self-titled album in my rental car. Today's guest is Aaron Pugh, a.k.a. Vector. Young Mr. Pugh is part of this exciting enclave of progressive bass producers out of Birmingham, Alabama. He's one half of Integrate with Black Carl. He's toured with Charles I and has releases on Bass Rush, The Rust, Vale, and Slugwife. He's an exciting artist and seriously one to watch over the next couple of years. We're all expecting big things from him. If you're one of our lovely Patreon supporters, take a breather. This part's not for you. This is for the free feeders now. On this Labor Day, please consider the labor it takes Bill to research and record these episodes, and Robert to edit out all the stuff that will get Bill and his guests canceled. Patrons get early access to episodes, bonus content, secret merch bundles, Discord rolls, and more. Is guilt an effective tool? I don't know. Let's find out. Visit patreon.com slash Mr. Bill's Tunes to subscribe. And last but certainly not least, head over to MrBillsTunes.com to become a hardcore Abletoneer. You get full access to Bill's project files and tutorials for producers at all skill levels. All right, here's Bill's chat with Vector. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Tight. Well, um, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I pretty much send a non. Or actually, I got to stop calling him a non because I like me and Carl have been calling him a non for like the longest time. He hasn't said a, like a single thing about it. And like he he like because he just pronounces his name completely wrong. <laughs> it's Anand. Oh, it's Anand. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. There's um, So I've been like super into chess lately and um, there's an Indian guy who's one of the, he was like the world champion for a while um, and his name is Anand uh, Vinesh. I can't really pronounce his last name, but yeah, I, I, I still call Anand Anand. Who, okay, so, cool. Yeah, for people listening, um, Anand's been on the podcast as well uh, and he manages you and Black Carl. Well, he's just Carl's uh, like agent manager pretty much okay but he managed. he like you. helps our like he like helps our like project right so is anand your manager no he's not my manager is a uh, david kissinger all oh, right okay i don't know him um he's a cool cat right man it's it's hilarious to me that black carl named himself black carl <laughs> dude he uh actually like i had to talk him out of like trying to change him his, his name like five times because he like always is like dude my name is black carl well so there's two things it's like he like was like kind of like back and forth about his name being black carl plus there's a there's this like small band from like i think arizona called black carl but they don't like put shit out at all anymore but <laughs> like if someone just goes online and types in black carl they show up so it's kind of like a like it's hard to like just like type his name and then, and then find his shit right so I was, I was almost hoping the first time that i met him that he'd be white 
just so it'd be like <laughs> the the weirdest shit ever. Like exactly, nowadays he like that would not. Yeah, he would for sure have to change his name because that would be a huge thing if he was white calling himself Black Carl. Yeah, totally. Um, you guys are f- both in Arkansas, right? Alabama. Alabama, right? Wait, Alabama is the one that's near Florida. Georgia, yeah, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Okay, that's very that whole area. Okay, so that's super different to Arkansas. It's still yeah, is Arkansas considered the South still. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it totally is, but it's kind of like closer to like I guess the Middle West, I guess, right? Like it's kind of like close to Kansas, I think. Right. I haven't been there, so I have no idea. But you've been in Alabama your whole life. Yeah, pretty much. Crazy. How is it living yeah. in the South? Um, it's it's like I don't know. Like I like it a lot, but. There are certainly, like, things about it that are, you know, kind of backwards. Like, well, I wouldn't say backwards. It's just kind of, like, people who have been here their whole life, like, kind of, like, have a certain mindset about certain things, and it's hard to just change their mindset. Yeah, I feel like the South gets this bad rap for being this crazy, racist, bigoted place or whatever. Oh, dude, it totally does. But, I mean, I'll say that... Like throughout the past, like I don't know, five year, five years or so, going across like the country, like there's been way more like places that I've been like, wow, y'all are racist as shit. Like that are that's not the like south, right? Yeah, I mean, coming from Australia, uh, I feel like a lot of Australia is pretty racist and backwards, to be honest. I mean, dude, yeah, like. Yeah. People talk about like um like slavery and shit in America, right? And that was obviously horrendous, like one of the worst fucking things that's ever happened. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. man, it was even worse in Australia. Like they really? Oh yeah, man. It was like gen total genocide of the Aboriginals there. Holy shit, like, I had no idea. British, yeah, as far as I know, the British landed and just fucking murdered all the Aboriginals, turned them into slaves, raped them, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like the same thing like that down here just you know, another place. I mean, I feel like that's how like all the like colonies were were started. Just awesome, like fucked up shit that somebody else came in and just completely just tore apart the whole, Mm. you know, people who are already there. Yeah. It was pretty much just like either the Spanish or the British or the French or something just like coming into places and just killing everyone who already lived there. Or like the fucking Vikings, dude, they were insane. And like it goes back to like um, who's the guy who like conquered like Rome and all that shit? Was it Genghis Khan? Uh, maybe. Dude, he was know. like an animal. Was he a Viking? No, no. He, was, he was an Asian guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say Mongolian, maybe. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he um, just did like unspeakable things. Yeah. Um. Speaking of Vikings, I heard this crazy story the other day. Uh, there's these type of magic mushrooms called uh, fly agarics, and they, uh, they're like the red mushrooms with the white dots on them. They're, they're like the classic Alice in Wonderland right, mushroom. Yeah. And they're from this uh, strain or breed called, I think, Amanita Ascara or something like that. But um, anyway, what happens if you eat them is they make you incredibly sick. <clears throat> but if you filter them first and put them through this like uh, brewing process and filtration process, then they have this like, for starters, like uh, psychedelic property to them. But they also uh, apparently have this like numbing property where it makes you not feel pain. Um, and apparently what Viking berserkers used to do in the back in the day before they would go into war is they would feed these fly agaric mushrooms to slaves and then the slaves would get incredibly sick, but then they would collect their piss and drink their piss because, like, the slave's body would have filtered out all the toxins from the mushroom, and then they'd drink it and go into battle with this, like, numbing effect. What the fuck? How did they find that out? I, this is my question, too. It's, like, how did they figure out, like, that that was the good thing? They're like, oh, we tried <laughs> yeah. everything else. How about we try drinking piss? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> all right, look, you all take this, and then we're going to drink it, and then we're going to storm the battle, like... <laughs> yeah. It's like I've I've done everything else before war and I you know 
I'm starting to get real bored with the process. So how about you eat this and then I drink your piss and then go to war? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, fucking like battles back then, like that time period seemed so much more brutal than, you know, like the shit that goes on now just because it was like you're getting stabbed with (laughs) with a fucking sword through like your fucking leg and like you can't just like walk away from that like like someone gets shot in the leg now like it's an easy fix probably or you get stabbed in the leg you're done for yeah i don't know would you prefer to get stabbed in the leg or shot in the leg oh shot for sure like where hmm, really? i mean i would not want to get shot period <laughs> like 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 that like, like if someone did shoot me in the leg i would prefer that as like being sliced open yeah, that's true. I only recently learned that there's um there's like rules in war. I didn't think there was any yeah. rules. Like I thought it was just a thing where they were like, we're going to fucking kill you. And the other people were like, I'm going to kill you too. And then they just go to war and just do their best to kill each other. But there's actually no, there's like, a lot of rules of engagement. Yeah. It's do you know some of them? Or? I know. I couldn't like. Not let me, from let fact, me Google like, them. Yeah, let's say like, it, like it's probably just from a lot of like shows I've watched. Where they like can't like you know they can't shoot certain people, like even if they're like right in front of her face, they couldn't take a shot of them unless they had you know calls to. Because yeah, it's not just like a whole like free for all. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the principles are here. Um, uh, this is like a big Wikipedia rabbit hole. I'll go down later. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. There's a lot of shit though. Like, I mean, what's that that fucking movie with like Mark Wahlberg? A sniper? Uh, yeah, he's like a sniper. No, it's like it's like him and like four guys, and they're supposed to go into like they're supposed to go kill this terrorist, but they couldn't. Uh, like some, I think it was people from the, the town the terrorist was at found them, and they're like, let's kill them. But they're like, nah, like that can't because then they'll just fuck. They'll that 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 will fuck us because it goes against like. You know, the whole rules of engagement. Right. And then there's like some pretty straightforward and sensible rules. Like don't use nuclear weapons because that'll just like fuck everyone up. Dude, that's just the best rule. Because that whole thing in, um, what was it, Lebanon, right? Uh, yeah, where the, um, the, what is like a, what was the I factory? I can't it was like, the town or the factory name. I don't know. It's called a row, right? Or Brut? Beirut, yeah. Um, Beirut. That shit, yeah, like, <laughs> that just, like, made me think about, like, if someone had a perfect bomb to drop on us, it would just be devastating. Yeah, it was an ammonium nitrate factory stored Which is crazy, at uh, dude. the they, port they, of the they, city of Beirut, the capital of Lebanon. It exploded, caused 190 deaths, 6,500 inju- injuries. It cost 10 to $15 billion in property damage, <laughs> and it left about 300,000 people homeless. So what's insane about that too is they, uh, the nitrate that was stored there was like dropped off there like five years ago or some shit like that. And uh, like the government there like sent a bunch of like letters saying like, hey, y'all need to take this out. Like it should not be here. And they just didn't ever touch it. And then, yeah, just exploded. Wait, but it, like it wasn't supposed to be there, right? That no, was- it wasn't supposed to be there. Like the nitrate was on some ship and the ship like had some kind of problem i think and they had to come into that town for the night and then the ship couldn't go back out so they took all the stuff off the ship and then yeah it just sat there for like five years fuck yeah Yeah, that's wild pretty pretty fucking dumb (laughs) exactly right like it's the smallest ship or not that small but like yeah it's just like shit like that and it just causes that much damage so fast hey we should probably address um the reason why you stutter and stuff like that because i feel like people especially on oh, yeah. youtube fuck will be yeah. like what the fuck is this the Bullshit. fuck is this kid is this high is this kid high <laughs> um yeah so you have a uh, cerebral palsy right yeah um i have a cousin who has it as well he was also uh he wasn't born with it per se but like what happened is when he was born doctors uh grabbed his head with forceps to pull him out and they bruised his brain in the process and gave him oh, cerebral palsy See, and mine's kind of the same same thing like mine i came out of my mom and i think 
uh, her her umbilical cord is wrapped around my neck, and so it kind of like did the same thing. It caused some kind of like damage to my brain, dude. But like, it shocked me <laughs> the first time I like met you. You're like, hey, what's up? I was like, hey, what's up? You're like, hey, do you have cerebral palsy? I was like, how the fuck did you like nail that on the spot? Because no one yeah. else does. Well, yeah, and, it's because yeah, my cousin. Yeah, has it's because your cousin. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it completely shocked me. I was like, tight. <laughs> Someone actually knows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the the crazy thing about cerebral palsy. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that it doesn't like affect like anything else other than your motor skills, basically, right? Yeah, it's just your motor skills. Yeah, so it's like, like but I've seen a lot of people who had it like they can't like walk at all, they can't like talk at all. So yeah. they're pretty like pretty mild. But yeah, my cousin's case is a lot worse. Like understanding him is really difficult and stuff like that. And yeah, he's in a wheelchair and stuff like like that. But he got um massively compensated because it was the doctor's fault. So he See, got I paid probably, out, like, a shitload of money. I probably could have done the same thing, but I don't think my my parents were like, Yeah, let's not, you know. Let's not focus our time on that, and let's just, you know, deal with it. Which I mean, don't really bother me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like it, if you've just lived that way from day one, then that's just like, yeah, dude, life. dude, like if I did let it, like you know, get to me, I'd be like crippled with anxiety, probably. Yeah, like probably. I couldn't get out of the house and like do shit like that. Man, speaking of like states of being from day one, <clears throat> I was reading this book last night by this guy called Douglas Harding. It's called On Having No Head. Uh, and basically it starts by him saying he was walking around the Himalayas and he basically one day realized that he has no head. And he, he's like, you know, when you're looking out of your head, you don't like see your own head. You see your body and your torso and all of that shit, but you never see your own head. And then he's like, when you see other people's uh, head or when you see yourself in the mirror or whatever, that's just like, you know, light reflect. I don't know. But it's a really weird argument that he makes. But essentially, um, he makes the argument that your state of being is one from where you don't live inside your head. Because most people feel like their consciousness exists in their head, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It feels like that's like your center of being or whatever. But he said that he somehow feels like that's not the case. And I don't know. That's interesting. That's a, I mean, that's a good take on it, though, because, yeah, I feel that way. I feel like it's all inside my head. I see a lot of people, so. Yeah. But, yeah, no, there's shit like that where I told you that night where, like, I get this so much, like, <clears throat> I'll meet someone, like, get done playing a show, and they're like, dude, are you rolling so hard right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that everyone thinks you're on Molly at shows. <laughs> yeah, like, not like my, like, close friends and peer, peer, people that I've known for, like, a long time, like, obviously, but. Yeah, it's like it's always like that awkward. Like, there's there's this time I, play, I was playing at Cervantes, and I like <clears throat> got done playing, walked back downstairs, and I was just like, you know, hanging out. And some girl was like, "Dude, you're fucking rolling hard." I was like, "Nah, I'm not." And then she just would not shut up about it. So I was like, "Whatever." I was like, "Oh my god, someone get me some water!" Like, I can't feel my face. And she was like, oh, "I got you." Like. He would not stop saying, dude, oh my God, you're fucking, you're so fucked up. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to embrace it. <laughs> Wait, did you try to mention to her that you have cerebral yes, palsy? And yes, and she thought up? I was lying. She thought I was full of shit. What the fuck? It was so, it was this odd experience. And she had, and like, she had these wide eyes too. Cause I, so I think she was kind of like, hmm. probably fucked up on something, but. Probably Molly. I mean, so that's the <laughs> yeah. thing I've noticed, right, is whenever you get high on something, like, for instance, um, when I was young, like 20 years old or whatever, I'd take acid, like, all the time. And every time I took acid, I was like, oh, man, everyone's on acid. I can tell. Like, everyone- <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> the, you- that's the crazy thing about acid is you, like, feel like the whole, like, world is just one heartbeat. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, wow, we're all, you know, have the same mindset about things. Yeah, you start to think like everyone's having a very similar experience and sometimes that can manifest itself in you thinking that everyone else is on the same drugs that you're on. Yeah, and no, it's really weird. That's, I mean, I kind of, you know, I for sure experienced it. I've kind of laid off the past couple of years because I feel like I've seen like, oh, I need to see you that, you know, psychedelics, right. I guess. What happened to your computer, by the way? Because you okay. were mentioning before that there's like some story to tell there. Yeah, so I my computer is like a 2012 MacBook Pro. It's a 
like I've had it since I graduated high school. But um, there's a cord on the back that apparently, like, if it fucks up, you it can't find your hard drive, right? So I thought I lost my hard drive. And I was freaking out because I can't find my external either. But uh, I took it to the shop here, and he was like, yeah, man, I mean, honestly, it could be a hard drive. Like, you could be completely fucked. But he's like, it might be this cable. And he got the cable, and it, it, I'm pretty sure it came in last night. But he, he called me last night, and he was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, like, just tell, tell me, man. He was like, so? And he was being so slow about it. I was like, dude, you're like, <laughs> stop. Like, come on, like, please tell me. And he was like, yep, your laptop's fine. Your hard drive's fine. And I was like, thank God. He's like, that sounded nice, huh? And I was like, yeah, of course. So, <laughs> but it kind of sucks, though, because I have like that. I have a Bandcamp subscription. So I had to like tell him today. I was like, hey, I'll put them out next week. But Oh, yeah. How's the Bandcamp subscription thing work? Um, They just like there's a price that I can set and they pay like a certain amount a month. And I just and told them I was going to put out, you know. Like two two songs a month or five songs a month, it just changes. It just depends on how much I'm trying to put out. But I like it and, so far. And a lot of the songs that you put out, <laughs> is, are they just for subscribers or does it go yeah. out to the public as well? No, it's just for them. Crazy. That's a lot of work to do because like you also want to release stuff publicly, right? Exactly. You, yeah, no, for sure. So how do you um, sort of differentiate what goes to subs and what goes to the public? Well, I have like an EP that I'm already like, I already finished. So I'm just going to like sit on that for like two more months and just, you know, keep putting out shit because there's not like a, I don't know. I don't feel like they, right now there's not like a time frame to like pump out a lot of songs for the public. Yeah, it's kind of a good time to just be like riding. So when shows do come back, you've got material and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It sucks too because like the, the five songs I have from my EP, like, haven't gotten to test them out a single time on a crowd. So it's like, are they okay? Are they good? But I don't want to send them to like a lot of people either because I want to be like a surprise, I guess. So, Dude, that track you released recently called Back Up is so sick. Oh, thank you, man. I'm a big fan. Have you played that one out? Yeah, that one. Wait, have I played that one out? No. No. Crazy. That, dude, I know, that, man. I that, was bummed. <laughs> That tune would 100% slap so hard on a dance floor. Thanks, man. That's what I, like, I made it, and I was like, shit, man. Yeah, I felt the same. I was like, damn, this would, this would be fun as hell to just play out, but. Yeah. It's all relative, when, I guess. We'll figure it out when shows get back. Yeah. When when you play shows, is it primarily your own stuff that you play, or? Yeah, you- well, the past, like, half year, more, like, I guess eight months, it's been... I've finally been more like comfortable playing like mostly my stuff, but I didn't have a lot of shit made like two years ago. Honestly, like, I really like didn't have a lot. Like I probably had like forty songs total. Oh, that's a lot. Ago. Yeah, but at the same time too, I was like, "Nah, that song sucks. I'm not gonna play it out." Like Car- Carl's always like, "Dude, play your fucking songs, man." <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the same, to be honest. I think everyone's kind of like that. I always get like mad self-conscious about my tunes because like not enough of it is like 150 BPM shit in F or whatever. Dude, I know. And I was shocked when I saw you live. I was like, because I was expecting like, you know, like a fucking just straight up IDM like bill set. And I was excited. And then I heard your shit. I was like, oh shit, he's he's throwing down bangers right now. Like, Yeah, so when tight. I play, I mean, I've sort of learned the lesson the hard way over the last 10 years or so that idm as sick as i think it is nobody thinks it's sick at a club at midnight you know like everyone's yeah very true yeah people i mean i would but yeah the general patron is not paying to you know hear that i don't know why it's kind of odd it's like that's why i kind of like certain shows that are like marketed towards that like hey he's gonna be playing that set here and it's gonna be this whole thing yeah, well, I mean, I think it's because you're a producer, right? So you can appreciate the more sort of boutique, like technical weird shit. And it's the same with me. It's like a, a big reason why I like a lot of music is for the sound design in it, right? Or like a big right. reason why I like a lot of music is just because it's sort of different and bent out of shape and weird and unique. 
Um, but that for a lot of people can be challenging because they're not used to it and they haven't explored music as heavily because it's not what they do all day every day um, mm. and so on and so forth and therefore it's <clears throat> you kind of want to be like you know that's the majority of your audience right of people like yeah. that so you kind of want to pander to them a little bit which means playing simpler more uh, understandable on the first listen kind of stuff Dude, is that not kind of like crazy though is like I don't know. I just found this out over the past, like, you know, half you like six months, maybe like 12 months that the songs that I don't expect to go off always just go off. And it's, it's so funny. Weird. I was chatting to Anand about this today. Um, not about songs that go off live, but songs that go off on Spotify. So stuff yeah. that gets a lot of plays on Spotify and like two of my biggest tracks, like one of them is called screening and it's a collab that I did with my visual artist funny. And it's just this like glitchy down tempo chill tune, but it has like seven hundred thousand plays or something. No, I, no, I saw that like two days ago because I was just curious about yeah. like your Spotify because I kind of had the same thing. Like, like my my top played song on Spotify is this uh, like a house song with this uh, my friend Sky, and it it's so odd. Like I would n- not expect that to be the top played song on Spotify. Yeah, but like another one of my big tunes on spotify is called last day in spain which is just some like weird glitchy thing i made with g space and that song's sick though yeah i mean i like it too but i i never would have thought that that would have been a song that would have got more than like twenty thousand plays or something like yeah because it's just like a like kicking and snaring a cool bass line like it's not anything like crazy yeah but that's kind of what people look for i guess on when they're listening at home is sort of more weird unique strange shit or something or maybe it's like well i guess a lot of the reason why you get plays on spotify is through playlisting right so maybe it's just just like these these gatekeepers who are like oh i want to put together some playlists or whatever will generally be looking for the more unique sounding stuff or whatever yeah it's it's cool too to see like you know you could like i keep finding people on spotify that I've not heard of, and they have you know like millions of plays on Spotify, but their SoundCloud is just dead pretty much. <clears throat> and I think it is because like a lot of like playlists, you know, that has a huge thing to to help plays. Yeah, a lot of lo-fi people are like that. I find, dude, um, yes, uh, a lot of lo-fi people. Yeah, I have a few friends who do lo-fi. One uh, one of them's name is Delayed, and he writes music um, also under the name Refrack. Oh, but dude, fuck yeah. His shit's awesome. Yeah, Refrack is sick, and Delayed is also sick, but his Delayed project on Spotify is insane. It's got so many places. I need to and check then, that out. Um, there's another guy who's actually on Beleagle Beats. His name's Julian Meyer, but he has a, um, a side project that's all lo-fi called Santport, and that also gets like millions of plays on Spotify. It's insane. That's so cool. Do it. Okay. Doesn't um, Ruby Frag have like a side thing with uh, what's his name? Is it DMR? Let's. Uh, what's um, it called? I think it's called a neck, like A E N A K. Hmm. I'm not sure. Dude, you should check it out. It's sick as fuck. They make like <clears throat> it's like halftime beats, but it's like slowed down a shit ton. I'll write it it's down. So how, how do you spell it? A E A E. N-A-K. A-N-A-K. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. You should, like, if you're friends with him, you should ask him how it's pronounced, but... Yeah, I'll ask him. Yeah, Joe's got a... So he's good. had a, a strange career. Like, he, he kind of just came up in the Soda Island thing, and then yeah. he got a bunch of crazy jobs. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about him publicly, but he was doing ghost production for some, like, really, really fucking big artists, and... yeah, was, <laughs> Dude, that's, the, that's honestly one thing. Like, it's not like, like I want to know it to, like you know put it out there i just want to know it to like just know who is like huge and who is like having their shit you know produced by somebody else well i think like once a lot of people get up to that massive level right like bass nectar was or or still is i suppose and um you know like uh people yeah people like um let's just say bass nectar or marshmallow or elenium or something like that like yes they produce their own music to some degree but i think once you get that big and you scale up to that level you kind of need to get a lot of help especially like you know you need to get help on the management and the agency side and all of that kind of yeah. stuff but it seems like these people eventually start to get help on the music side too but they kind of frame it a different way right like for instance with bass nectar 
you're not really looking at his music and being like, oh, it's all ghost written. But instead, he just puts his mm. name as a collaborator on all of the tracks with other people. Like, for instance, um, you know, like the like G Jones collabs or something, or the um, just collabs who he does with anyone. Like, I, I could only imagine that probably it is the collaborator who's doing more of the work, right? Right. For instance, exactly. The, um, no, exactly. The, I mean, I I totally I feel the same way. And it's not like. It's not like that. That's like said out loud, but it, I could just hear it in the songs that were being put out with each collaborative song. I was like, "That sounds like the, just the, their song with slight things changed." Right. Yeah. There's a remix that he did of a uh, um, of the trees and symbionic tune. Oh yeah. It, it definitely sounds kind of just like the original, but with a different <laughs> kick and snare. But see, he had like this odd thing where he was so i mean he like his name is still you know huge like as opposed to or with all this this shit that he did he had this odd thing where he was like i can like help you just by putting my name on your song like it's gonna help you so like i feel like a lot of artists didn't even say anything they're like okay yeah at that point though it becomes like a little bit of a um like a pickle for you right because you on one hand you're like yes i want to it's like a predicament because you're like i want to uh get a shitload of plays on a tune and have my name more well known and you know probably the 25 percent that he offers me for royalties will be a lot more money than i've made off any tune uh <laughs> I mean, anyway I can but say at this, the same yeah. time it's like fucking do some work on the tune still <laughs> yeah like i can just speak from like my experience like when he put out that mixtape in like May, and he like did a like a flip quote quote unquote of my song. Like I was like partial about it because I don't know. It would just it felt odd to me for him to put his name on that song when all he did was like add some hats. Is that like it was just hi hats? He added hats and added like some like sub bass. That was pretty much it. Huh. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, but like I couldn't like. But it's tight though, because it for sure, you know, like help people find out about you know my songs. But I don't know. Yeah, I've had a few collabs with with big people like that before, where it's kind of like I did most of the work, and um, but you can't say like no to the thing because it's just so beneficial. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's not a bad thing. It's just I'm, I'm just telling you how it is. So. Right. Yeah, I think um, the problem is when, like, the general public don't sort of understand and then it becomes this, like, big gray area of, of yeah. like, who deserves the attention for being good at production and not... Which I don't care about in the long run. Like, that's not what I'm, like, making my songs for people to be like, wow, he's good at production because I'm still right. pretty shit. But, <laughs> like, that somebody sent me a text and they're like, dude, that collab of bass and character is so tight. And I was like, oh, it's not a collab. <laughs> but like, I didn't say that back to him because like, I'd sound like such an asshole. If I was like, actually, it's my song, but he just like, you know, I'd sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, I want to go back to talking about like the subs on Bandcamp thing. I'm just curious how that works because um, I've thought about doing it before and I know that other people do it like Cursor and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's crazy with it. He, you know, he pumps out. He pretty much only puts out shit on his 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 hub page now. Yeah, I mean, he probably makes a living though, just from writing tunes, right? Uh, no, is, he does. Yeah, and he like a hundred percent. Yeah, which is kind of what you want. Exactly. Um, how far are you off making a living just off having subs that you put tunes out to? Uh, that's probably way in the future. But I mean, I'm gonna sound like a dumbass, but I just found. Like, I haven't checked my, like, Spotify and, like, Apple, like, uh, pay, pay, pay until, like, two days ago. So, mm. it's been built up for, like, two years. So, that was oh, a nice, man. like, find. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I, this existed. I did the same thing with DistroKid, actually. I uploaded a bunch of my tunes to DistroKid. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and then I totally forgot about it and then checked it one day and had 10 grand sitting there and was like, oh, shit, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, this is sick. But um, no, it's probably a long time. Like, and Plus, I'm not trying to like make that my job, per se. I honestly did it just to like push myself and be like, all right, I have to make songs. Like, It kind of helps me like be like motivated 
to just keep making shit. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, I guess. I should do that. Dude, I've, I feel like you could easily knock out <laughs> five tunes in like a month easily. Or like, you know, it isn't like five is just, that's being way, way excessive. But to be honest, um, I don't write that quick anymore. I mean, I can write quick if I want, but personally what I like to do, like I'll, I'll write it. For instance, I streamed for like three hours yesterday with Haywire. And I wrote oh, like fuck yeah. the majority of a check tune. It out. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and I wrote the majority of a tune whilst on stream, and I'm pretty happy with it and stuff like that. But I feel like I need to sit on it for like months before I can be totally comfortable with releasing it because it's my my tastes are so specific on a single day, and then they're yeah. so specific like the next week, and then they're so specific the week after that. And I need to sort of like keep coming back to a tune with these like specific weekly tastes that I always have, and sort of add my flavor from each of those weeks into the tune and then it's kind of like at the end of a few months i have like a pretty good snapshot of what i like about music like it's (laughs) it's got like all of my ideals within the one tune kind of whereas if i just make something in one day and release it it's kind of too hyper specific in one area i totally i can totally feel that there's a song that i made before my laptop and i did i did the same thing as you because i have been doing that a lot lately too is i just will produce on twitch and it helps me. I don't know why. It's like having eyes on me like makes me not just want to like sit there idly. Like it makes me be like, all right, I gotta just keep working. But the song that I n- 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 made, like I played it the, n- n- the next day, and I was like, God, it just sounds like ten- like a Tennyson song. Like it was just so like, <laughs> like yeah, I was like, this is too genre specific. Mm. But a lot of the time, though, like. The my favorite, favorite, the songs that I like like the most. I it takes me like two days. I don't know why it's a, I start it and then I just I can't stop until it's done. Yeah, I mean a lot of good songs though are just pretty simple ideas. Usually, I find quite often I'll o- overwork my stuff, and then I'll. That's another reason why I need to spend two months on it, right? Because it's like the first couple of weeks are just me overworking it and making it too complicated and too fucked up, and then I kind of need to to step away from it for like a month and then come back to it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I see what I've done wrong here is added way too much shit. And that's actually, smart though, the idea is just like this one simple riff, and I need to just remove everything and leave that there, and then maybe use all this other crazy shit that I created as just like little <laughs> flavors and fills and shit like that. Yeah, dude, I've, I can say I've fucked up a lot of songs just from like, I'll get the main idea down that should be the only idea. And I'll be like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's too simple. Like, I should add, you know, some fucking crazy break right here. And then I start going into this like deep hole and like, I just change the song completely and I just, I just fucked the whole song up. Well, there's this weird ego thing as a producer, I think, where you make something that's kind of too simple, but it works really well. Um, and you kind of have this feeling of like, oh, I need to make this more technical so it's more legit or something. Like that was too easy to make and therefore it's not legitimate enough. I, I often feel like um, people, like I don't know if this is true for everyone, but it's definitely true for me. I just, I put a lot of effort on value. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. a lot of value on effort. So like how much effort was invested into a thing is kind of how much I think it it is valuable. So if I invested like thousands of hours into a, fucking tune i'll just immediately think it's more valuable than something i made in 20 minutes you know right i I feel that i actually just to that same idea i you know that's yeah i thought that's a big problem a lot of like upcoming producers also they would be like i gotta like show off my skills to get you know like respect i guess but it doesn't like i had to find out the hard way like I'm not trying to make songs for like producers, you know, like I'm not trying to impress other producers. I'm trying to, trying to make, just make fucking music. Just, you know. Well, yeah, you want to, you want to make stuff that's enjoyable for you, but I mean, it's awesome if you can make stuff that's enjoyable for you and that is enjoyable for the lowest common denominator. Exactly. That's, that's that is also intelligent and, and impressive to producers. That's kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, like you don't want to get too insane where it's like, whoa, how did that track go? Because there's a lot of amazing music that that I like a lot, but like if I showed it to the, the average Joe, they'd be like, 
what the fuck is this? Like, this makes no sense. Yeah, it's like way too technical. Heavy. Way too techy, and it's like odd time signatures. And I'm like, yeah, but he did this here. And they're like, it still sounds bad. <laughs> like, it doesn't <laughs> sound good. I'm like, I, I think it sounds good. But yeah, to the normal person, it doesn't. Well, that's the other thing, right? Is like technical prowess can be a reason to like something, um, even if it doesn't sound good. And I mean, that shit happens in visual art a lot, right? Where somebody will make yeah. like some crazy fucking sculpture out of their own shit or something. And everyone will be like, oh, that's like so impressive that they did that. And that took so long. And like, look at the amount of shit that they had to physically produce to make a sculpture of this size with their own shit. And you're like, yeah, but it, it literally looks like shit. Yeah, no, so. it's like the whole saying that you can't polish a turd, like literally you can't polish a turd. Like it doesn't matter how much you like, like how much you add to it, it's still like, that's still poopy. Like whatever you say, it's still crap. Right. Um, going back to like Twitch stuff, uh, I kind of feel the same way where when a bunch of people are watching me, it's almost like you feel this um, need to perform. Mm-hmm. and therefore you're not going to sit there idly because you know a bunch of people are relying on you to be entertaining basically yeah but i also find that it's like uh very similar to a collaboration in the sense that when i'm sitting there streaming people will say things in the chat like Dude, oh yes they're like oh you should like put auto pan and distortion on that or something and um and then instead of me being like like do, instead of me doing the exact thing that they're asking of me to do, I'll do something else. And they'll be like, oh, that's not what I meant, but that's also sick. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's kind of like a weird collaborative process between just a bunch of random people backseat producing in the chat and your own ideas of or your own interpretations of what they're saying in text. Yeah, dude, I 110% agree with that statement because I, you know, point in case, I was ma- ma- making a song the other night and someone was like, hey, you should add this to here. And I added that to there, to the part they were talking about. And it sounded sick. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the advice. Like, yeah, it's, it was like almost like a collab, like what you just said with like me and the whole the whole chat room. Right. And it was awesome. Here's a question. Do you think that um, people in Twitch chat do more or less collaborative work to a tune than some big artists do to their own tune? <laughs> That's a- <laughs> that's a good fucking question i mean honestly it could go both ways because like there's been i mean dude the fucking uh this big artist i guess the um warso and opio shit that they just put out was fucking yeah. sick and yeah, that's great i can tell that it's both of them like completely which mm-hmm. is awesome but like yeah like say that they like tried to make that song in like a chat room like i feel like the chat would just not know what to add to that song like their songs because i don't know their shit is just really technical but it's in the best way like it's all in like four four like i did not expect that i expected like some halftime shit yeah but it's like kind of housey vibes almost super housey yeah it was really cool um i wonder like what the ethics or legality are on when you would have to credit a Twitch viewer for giving you advice in the chat that then Dude, made the i song thought the same better. thing i thought the exact same thing i was like should i like messages this guy and be like hey what's your like your soundcloud (laughs) yeah because honestly i mean like i think i'm a little bit of an authority on this subject because i've done so many collabs and (laughs) you've done so many dude i've done hundreds but like um at this point like collaborating on twitch when people say things to me in the chat and then i take those things and use them in my song and they turn out to be good pieces of advice and you know maybe that person gives me 10 good bits of advice during right. a stream that makes the tune way different than it would have been if they weren't there and way better than if they weren't there as well. That's more than a lot of people I've collaborated with have done to tracks that I've put their name on before. Yeah. And like, plus and plus shit. I mean, say like I was on inside your Twitch stream, right. And I was telling you all this shit to do. And then you put that song out I'd be telling all my homies, like, dude, I told him that. Like, <laughs> I did that. Like, that's that's me telling him. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's just, there's just a cool thing now. Like, it's kind of like this pre-quarantine. There was not a huge, for at least, like, producing. There wasn't a huge, like, community for Twitch. And now it's, like, every night I have, like, at least two friends streaming on Twitch. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, I really like Twitch. I've been doing it for... Uh since like 2014 or something and um, it's so good to see it like finally pop yeah off. so how do you f- feel about how like because i feel like 
you know, like people like you and like Tom Kyoto, like like frequent, you know, y- y'all have all been on this posting your pr- production online and, that, and now it's like everywhere. Like, is it like a positive thing or like... Yeah, man, I think it's great. I think like whenever a bunch of people get into a thing, it's a net positive for that thing, right. unless that thing is racism. But like, um, <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Yeah. But you know, like electronic music, when I first got into it 15 years ago or something like that, or even longer at this point, I got into it when I was like, no, was it was probably about 15 or 16 years ago. Um, and when I got into it, it was especially in Australia, just this weird underground like toy music fucking Lego bullshit that like no one would get into, right? Like everyone was into like metal and rock and like thrash mm-hmm. and radio pop music and shit like that. And electronic music that like at the time I was into Psytrance and Aphex Twin basically uh, was just seen as garbage. It was just seen as this ridiculous like sounded like toy music. Um and now it's like so many people have gotten into it um, for various reasons. I mean, A, people have just realized that not all electronic music is four on the floor kick drum music. Yeah, that's a huge uh, positive, honestly. Yeah, and also people who are making it have realized there's a great reward for making it now because there's an industry behind it that you can earn a lot of money from and gain a lot of fans from. Um, now it's seen as like this really serious thing, right? So this right. thing that I really love, electronic music, is now seen as a really good thing and there's a giant industry flourishing there that I'm able to now make a living doing what I really love to do. So that's a huge positive for me. And I feel the same way about streaming and tutorials and educational content online and sample packs and <clears throat> all of this stuff. Like because so many people have been interested in making sample packs and so many other people have been interested in downloading samples to use in their own songs, Splice exists. And, and Splice is the Splice pays on the unsured. I mean, that's I mean that's probably a huge for sort of sort of income for for, for you because I know you put out the shits and the packs on there. Yeah, Splice is great, but also like you know that infrastructure wouldn't have existed without the precondition of a shitload of people needing samples and a shitload of people making samples. Right? Yeah, they're kind of just middlemaning between those two kinds of people. So. Yeah, I think like this educational content thing and streaming thing that's going on is pretty much just going to create more infrastructure in the industry for things like that. And yeah, it's a net positive. I agree. I like it because I just kind of think about like myself five years ago, six years ago, like I was just always trying to find just like one tutorial, like two that like actually taught me something. And it was so hard to find. And now there's so much out there. It's like so easy to access you know the kind of sound you're trying to make so i think it's a huge positive right that's the thing um is you know think about uh in 2000 and when was it 2008 when everyone was trying to sound like skrillex and um nobody was really able to do it and as a result crazy right yeah you kind of just got like all of this shitty b-grade sounding skrillex stuff which was not that fun to listen to if you're trolling soundcloud because you just run into bullshit all day uh, but now everyone's able to make Skrillex songs pretty easily because the tools exist, right? But now what's had to happen is Skrillex has had to become unique in different ways via his songwriting and via innovating in different ways because everyone has access to the same sound palette now, basically. Uh, so now it kind of like has this whole meta to it. It's like it's kind of like, well, now everyone has access to the same shit. So like what's going to differentiate you from everyone else and what's going to make you unique from everything? And then the whole of electronic music gets like way more interesting because of that. It does. And like it's cool for like say someone like him, like he's just a huge like he just produces like pop fucking hits now, you know? Yeah, he's working with uh, Justin Bieber, obviously. But also, yeah, uh, I think he's doing stuff with a bunch of big pop artists as well, right? Yeah, he yeah he he always has. I think over the past like five years or six years. But I mean, he like I was the little like asshole when like all that shit came 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 out, and I was like, dude, this isn't real dubstep. Like, have you all heard of the screaming like Cokie? Like that's real dub. Like in like just a little piece of shit. Like you know. <laughs> but I I finally grown out of that like years ago. But it's kind of this thing where like <clears throat> you have like this like attitude about like a certain genre and it's like the people who find it first are like no i found it like that's my thing and then when it starts to like catch hold it's like dude what this is so not like how it should be and you kind of get like mad about it but 
I think he was the first one to like completely just like the whole fucking like I remember being at my high school hearing fucking bangerang play over the fucking high school speakers, which is <laughs> wild. Like at like pep rallies, I was like, "What the hell? <laughs> like it's this like huge?" So yeah, he well, definitely paid the huge way just for it being like out there. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's that's been a huge positive for the electronic music as a whole, right? Like because of Skrillex, um, dubstep didn't die. You know, it could have easily died without him doing what he did. Because remember, I, I mean, I remember when Scream and Benga and uh, stuff were were pretty big, and I felt like they had their time in like 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. and then it was seriously on the decline in 2008. And oh, I was, yeah. it was like dubstep was not really a thing anymore. It seemed to be, I don't know what was going on at the time. I can't remember. But then Skrillex came out with scary monsters and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, it was like the biggest fucking thing again. Yeah, see, I, I didn't find out about like Scream and all that shit until like 2008 or nine. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of late to the whole thing. And then, <clears throat> I mean, but I'm glad that kind of sound is like stuck around, you know, like shit like, like Outlook, you know, that still exists. And it's huge. The and festival? Yeah, and like in uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly that kind of sounding dubstep and like <clears throat> drum and bass, you know? Right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, they have this experience where they'll have a connection with like a thing that they hear. For instance, you know, for you, it may have been Scream or, or whatever. And then there's some variation on that thing. And then the person who has the connection with the original thing is like that's the that's not the right thing it's it's too varied from the thing that i had the connection with therefore it's not the same therefore it's bullshit and i feel like this yeah. happens a lot with um people who read books and then go watch uh, the movie of the book thing right like for instance um game of thrones or whatever you know people who read it will watch the tv show and be like this is bullshit it's not the same yeah i actually watched all of that uh the as soon as quarantine hit i hadn't watched it yet I watched it all. I still have not watched it, dude. It's fucking epic, honestly. Like I like it, it's not like it's not like I was like I don't like watch it. I just didn't ever like I was like, dude, this is that would just take a lot of time out of my days, like because I know I'd probably like it a lot, and I did. I've watched a shitload of trash TV since quarantine. Like what? <laughs> so the oh man, you don't want to know. I, I, I do want to. I do. <laughs> I binge watched an entire series on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle, where it's just a bunch of these like. Dude, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How so, did you watch, dude? I watched the first, the first one, and I was like, "Oh, dude!" No. I watched, I watched all eight episodes. Fuck yeah! Um, Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst shit I've ever seen. And then uh, I watched, I watched this whole series called Rhythm and Flow, which actually wasn't too bad with like Chance and um. I've heard that's rappers. like super fire. I, I still haven't watched it. It's pretty good. Um, I've watched a lot of shit too, man. I mean, dude, I started to watch fucking um, this show like two nights ago. It's amazing. It's called Love Love on the Spectrum. Okay, I haven't seen it. It's about <laughs> these few people who live in Australia. They all have autism. And it's about them trying to date people. And it's just fucking... Is that reality TV? Yeah, it's real. No, I mean, like the show is more, more about like sh- showing like what the like the like what autism is like it's not really about the dating part yeah it's kind of but it's yeah it's wild that seems like it could get pretty hilarious it, it does it's really <laughs> awkward at times too like super awkward but it's a fire show yeah um so speaking of game of thrones there's that dude in it who they call the mountain right like that giant fucking guy <laughs> fucking that yeah yeah and um I actually watched this show about strongmen that was on, I think, Hulu. Um, and basically it was these like four strongest dudes in the world who would just go around the world trying to lift really heavy shit pretty much. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, that was also pretty trashy TV, but also somewhat interesting. Dude, strongman stuff is crazy. Yeah, no. The, like, the, the, are, the, are, the, are those the guys who like get the huge, like they like power, power, power themselves up and like do like huge like fucking boulders and like pick up the bowl, bowl, boulders put them on like something and then get something else put them on something yeah it's called an atlas stone yeah it's, um, Jesus Christ. yeah some of them i want to say they weigh like fuck 800 pounds or something speaking see, of the fucking uh, no, oh yeah let's, go ahead just to the, the the mountain do you know the comedian um 
Andrew Santino. Uh, no. He uh, he has a podcast. He's fucking hilarious. But he's kind of like the whole like, like he does a lot of shit with like <laughs> Bobby Lulu and like Pia Vaughn and like, you know, that whole crew of people. But he actually went to the mountains hometown and like did a whole interview with him. <laughs> Damn. So it looks like um, the record was Brian Shaw uh, who lifted a 560 pound Atlas stone. Jesus. Which was titled the Manhood Stone, <laughs> and then um, and that's then worth that, it for that title. <laughs> and that record was recently broken by a guy called Tom Stoltman, and he lift that was in March 6, twenty twenty, so just before quarantine, and he lifted a six hundred and two pound Atlas Stone. Dude, wow! So the thing is, and is insane to me is like the training for that. It, it's, it has to be your whole life, like how your diet, how you sleep, what you do, like day to day, like it's your whole life because that's well, so much weight. Yeah. So one of the episodes that I watched, uh, they were in Minneapolis or something, right? And Brian Shaw lives in Colorado and he was like, oh, it's so expensive for me to travel because I have to fly all my food in and shit. So like he was, God. he said whenever he stays at a hotel, the hotel needs a kitchen. And he needs to eat like six times a day. He eats 10,000 calories a day, which is like five times the amount of food that you or I would eat in a day. And it's just all very specific food, like very specific lean proteins and like carbs, like rice and shit. And he, he just has to like fly in like a huge box of food and have a kitchen in his hotel room and stuff. And he, the, the thing is too, he probably burns that shit off so fast. Well, yeah, the dude weighs 450 pounds. So it's like just walking around. How tall is he? Six you foot know? eight. <laughs> yeah, the dude's massive. He is like he is a mountain. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this guy might actually be bigger than the mountain. How big is the mountain? The oh yeah, question two. Aren't you a fucking um, mommy? Don't you um, like watch your mom's house and shit I, like times a year? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, so the mountain is six foot nine and four hundred and three pounds. So he's a little taller than Brian Shaw, but he's not quite as heavy. Yeah, not even close. Wait, you said Brian Shaw is 6'8", and how much? 450 pounds. Dude, that is it. Wait, let's see. see. I want to um, see what he looks like. He's 440, oh, sorry, 440 pounds and 6'8". Yeah, he's fucking massive, dude. Holy shit, this guy is huge. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Imagine <laughs> being like, like, just like trying to walk home and you see that guy just come out of like a fucking alley. I would turn the, the other way and start sprinting. I've got to imagine you'd be faster than him by like a lot. But I mean, that's kind of like, dude, all right. So like football players who are like, they play like DN, which is like the, on their own defense, they play like the far right side and their like goals are just like get the fucking quarterback. They're like same height as him and they can run like a 40 yard dash in like under five seconds, which is fast as fuck. But they're probably not 440. No, no, exactly. No, you're right. But there's some who are like, mid 300 and they can run f- wow that's fucking quick fast as fuck yeah jesus yeah you wouldn't want a 300 pound six foot eight guy running at you at that speed that'd be bad <laughs> yeah no exactly and like they're just trying to take your head off jesus um have you there's a video on youtube of conor mcgregor fighting the mountain and really pretty much for like <laughs> I want to say five or 10 minutes straight, Connor is just like dodging and weaving and just punching him in the stomach and like punching him in the kidneys. And like the guy cannot touch Connor McGregor because he's Connor's way Sick. too fast. Dude, he's a crazy and, fighter, man. He really is. Yeah. And then after like five minutes or something, the mountain just taps out. He's like, I'm fucking way too tired. Really? Yeah. Because he's like, you know, trying to keep up with this dude who's like 150 pounds so and just a little. So are they just like sparring or like, are they like <laughs> actually like fighting? <clears throat> they're just sparring i mean it's not like a okay. real fight or whatever because i think true. yeah connor had to like actually do a real fight like the, the next day or something i just feel like if that was like a like a bar fight or some shit then mountain just like grab him but i mean i guess he can because yeah. he's, he's so fast he's dancing around him yeah i would say even in a bar you'd have maybe even more trouble because he could hide behind tables and shit <laughs> <laughs> i've i've never gotten like a bar fight i have i have uh i've been of course, you know, there's been people, you know, trying to start shit, but I've never gotten like a legit bar fight. I don't plan to. Doesn't yeah, me seem... either. I don't think that sounds like fun at all. It sounds dangerous. 
And I've been at shows before, like there's a show that I played and some kid was trying to like, I, I don't know, he was just off his fucking rocker, but he was trying to fight like five people and he was trying to fight me and I was like, dude, don't, please come on, like, chill out. Damn, I've never had anything like that at my show, but one one of the weirdest experiences I've had at one of my shows, and I don't actually think I've told this story before on this podcast, is um, I was playing a show in Calgary, Alberta, and it was just after I'd gotten my visa and moved here in 2015, so it was like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like sort of sitting, um, like usually before I play, right, I'll sit on the stage under the decks and I'll just sort of wait there for the, like a couple of minutes before I play. Uh, and then I'll get up and like plug my USB stick in and start playing. But um, I think actually at the time I was playing off my laptop. So I had to get up there and set okay, up my laptop yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So I was, I was up there like setting up uh, just like hunched under the, the decks. And I did a fart and then I could just smell like pure shit. And I was like, <laughs> I've definitely shit myself. Um, and I was like <laughs> super paranoid thinking that I'd, that I'd shat myself. And then I like quickly went to the bathroom, checked, and I was like, I know I haven't shot myself. And then, and then I came back to the stage to play and I could still smell like just this oh, pungent dude, what did you eat? odor of shit. Well, no. So here's the thing, man, is then I saw this like giant clearing on the dance floor and I was like, what's going on? And I, <laughs> I like just played my whole set and like didn't acknowledge it too much. And then after the set had finished, um, someone was like, oh, man. Did you see like someone took a giant shit on the dance floor? And I was like, no, oh I did not. God. What 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 happened? And basically what they said happened was somebody had <laughs> bought cocaine and it turned out that uh, the cocaine was cut with baby laxatives and then they like did some and then all of a sudden needed to shit and like couldn't get to the bathroom in time. So they tried to pull their pants down and shit in a bin and just totally missed it and shat all over the dance floor. Oh my God. Wait, okay. I wasn't, that, that is a, an incredible. So wait, so that, 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 that shit smell was like, that made you think that it was your ass. Like you were like, Oh my God, I shit myself. Well, that's, I did a, like I, you know, I fought all the time, but like I just farted, like while I was setting up and was like, I like, cause I could smell shit. I was like, Hmm, did I just shit myself? That is, oh my God. I wasn't at the show, but there's a producer named Brightside and it was at, I don't know if you played aisle five in Atlanta, but it's a tiny have, hall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a hall pretty much. And apparently some dude shit behind the soundboard during his set. <laughs> And like just the whole crowd, because yeah, it's like you know a fucking just giant corridor. The whole crowd just you know walked outside and was like, "Fuck this!" Like we're not going to stand inside here and smell shit for the entirety of the set. I wonder what artist would have to be playing for nobody to leave, right? That would take some amazing tunes. (laughs) Someone's like like, maybe a tipper set or something. Oh, dude, for sure. Well, dude, if kids can sit and smell teams and smell teams the whole set, I think shit is the least of the worries. I hate the smell of Dean. It's just like... You, oh, man, I kind of like the smell of Dean's, to be honest. I just don't... I don't know. It just like... Ugh. It smells like... Well, okay. I think wh- why I don't like it is because, like, the first time he played in Suwannee for his, like, his festival there, <clears throat> I, like, hadn't... I hadn't... Snow means, like, my entire life. Hadn't been, like, close to it, so I didn't know what it was. And this is, like, day two of the festival... I was being nasty. I haven't really, you know, brushed my teeth a lot because I was at a fucking festival, which that's not an excuse. I was being nasty. But um, I thought it was my fucking breath the whole night. <laughs> so, like, the whole time during his, like, crazy, like, journey set, I'm just, like, <sighs> like checking my breath. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, how is it this bad? Like, and I think that just has, like, made, like, a bad imprint in my head. I just can't get get that mindset out of my head. But. It's funny yes. when you like smell a bad thing that like we both had this experience of thinking that it was us that the smell was emanating from. Yeah, and it just like it fucked it killed my whole vibe the whole night because I was like, dude, I can't I can't talk to anybody. Like I, I remember someone saw me in the crowd like, yo, hey, what's up? I was like I was like <laughs> nodding my head. I just didn't open my mouth because I felt like fucking sponge like SpongeBob when he like talks and he like comes out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's sick. Yeah, yeah that, was gross. But that was a that that actually like that those two days like completely like <clears throat> changed my outlook on 
like my like production just from hearing all the sets and stuff well i saw fucking skyler play that was the first time he he ever played to anybody and like well not probably not the first time he's played but like that was the first huge set he's played and like i was fucking blown away because i hadn't heard i hadn't heard any of that shit like ever and it was just on like this insane function rig and i was like what the fuck am i hearing right now (laughs) it was just it was sick yeah, Skyler sets a great. He he really knows how to put together a nice set. Yeah, he's he's mastered the 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 live set for sure. Yeah, yeah, he blew up, man. He got real big real quick. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's how he played there. Like, was what like started the whole shit because that was yeah, when, like none, no one really has like heard of him except for like you know people who are producers pretty much, and then he just fucking took his shit on the crowd (laughs) it was tight to see though yeah fuck yeah hey man um it's been awesome to talk to you we've been talking for a little over an hour which is about where i try to cap these things just because i feel like a people don't really listen for much longer than that um for the most part and b i have to go do some shit same i gotta go to work Oh really? Like, are you working through the? Yeah, I got a job. I work like sixty hours a week, fifty hours. It's like, like it changes. It's like it ranges from like forty hours to like sixty hours. Lately, it's been not so high on the sixty-hour side, but. Damn! What do you do? Yeah, dude, fucking COVID, bro. (laughs) Um, right now or the past, like since COVID started, I uh, delivered like actual COVID tests to like labs. Like, I'll go to a hospital get a test drive back to a lap so that's why i asked about like podcasts because i'm always playing podcasts because i can't just like play tunes all the time i'll get tired of music (laughs) i gotta listen to people talking that makes sense yeah well fuck yeah man we'll enjoy yeah i'm not gonna enjoy it you don't have to try and say it's not gonna be fun (laughs) oh i mean you're just driving around sounds sounds all right yeah that's not bad but yeah man i appreciate you having me on yeah of course um where can people find your stuff um, all my shit is just Vector VCTRE on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Sick. Easy. All right, man. Have a good one. You too, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's Tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you.